universe is funny. When you sort of, when you stop looking at the ground and you start looking up and you start breathing and you start reacting. You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Right Club Nation. It's Alfonso Salemi here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What is it, do you ask? Well, it's the Right Club online community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums. All the podcast episodes are there. Hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing, training, and education, and so much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hey, welcome back to another episode. And I'm here with Alfonso today. I'm Sarah Larby. You are listening to the Right Club podcast. Today's guest is James Birchhill. I actually met James about a couple years ago when he asked me to be on his show, The Smart Car Coffee Confidential. And it was a ton of fun. And uh, and then we kept connecting uh, and talking. And uh, he gave me the great idea of starting a course where I can share the information, put that on my website. And it's done really well so far. It's, and you know, as they say, uh, you know, most millionaires have multiple sources of income. So, uh, you know, it's an additional source of income on top of the real estate and top on top of the cash flow and all that good stuff. And James Birchhill and essentially opened up my eyes to what is possible uh, in order to make things run without you need, needing to be physically in any specific location at any one time. So before we get into that, Alfonso, what's new and exciting with the Right Club? Yes, Right Club is kicking. Get on the online community, therightclub.com. We have the forums, the calendar. Guys, there's so much information. Look at our professional partners, our right partners that are on there to build your power team and get all the information. Guys, this is a culmination of so much work put together with so many amazing professionals, team members, and it's all about the team. So today was a great interview with James. He talks about how, again, you can, like Sarah said, bring on another stream of income, but really to learn more about uh, what you like to do and get on the right club, check that out. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for this podcast. Really, really good info. And uh, yeah, what do we say? Let's get right to the show. Let's do it. James Burchill, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to you. I mean, I think the first time we met, I think it was when we were doing the Smarts Car Confidential and we've stayed in touch and you've helped me, uh, you know, grow a lot as well through some online courses. But before we do that, before we talk a lot about how you help others in the, uh, in the community, maybe just give us a, a bit of a background on, you know, how you got to where you are today um, and not so much from a, a real estate perspective, but from uh, the ability to create passive income and, uh, and live life on your terms. Well, it, it really happened sort of by chance as well as by design. Uh, initially, I got the sort of first taste of this when I was um, a small boy, um, somewhere around seven or eight years old. Uh, one of my uncles um, let me loose on a computer. It was an Apple II, one of the original Apple II computers. And uh, I taught myself to program and I sold some software and I got paid royalties. And I thought, this is cool. And then I got paid again. 
And again, I thought, I, I like this. And about a couple of years after that, I was living in Africa and um, I'd always been a writer as well as a writer of software. So I'm, I'm, I'm always expressing some way, right? And um, I pitched a newspaper back in England when I was living in Sudan. Uh, so I was living in Sudan in 81, in 1981, 1982. I think I was 12 or 13 years old. And um, I pitched a newspaper, this idea of a column um, from a kind of a little expatriate white kid living in a country. And they, they went, yes, and they took it. So they started paying me to write this column. Now, that wasn't quite the same, but this recurring you know, in, uh, income coming from what was essentially easy work for me, I thought, this is fun. And um, by the time I got into my career, in my late teens, early 20s, I was teaching tech to businesses as well as solving it. And I kept getting paid royalties for these things I was creating. Um, and most of the time I was doing it for the clients and then the day dawned on me, well, why don't I, I do this for myself, you know, as well. And I, I slowly but surely started playing around with it. And uh, back then, of course, this, this concept of online courses, that was a joke. Um, some of my early courses were actually, and this is gonna really date myself, distance learning. You'd have an envelope filled with cassettes and paper and you'd send it to people and then they'd send it back and then you'd mark it and you'd go through. It was, it was laborious, but it was, it was the beginnings of it all. And I really, I really loved teaching stuff. I love figuring out problems and teaching it, but I hate marking. So those few times that I actually got dragged into the university world as a professor for a few, few years, um, uh, as much as I loved it, I, I didn't like the marking. So I stopped doing the actual uh, in-class stuff. And I, I kept it all online. And, and that's sort of a roundabout way of how I fell into it. Yeah, so that's you know approximately the, the early 80s to, to mid 80s. You're writing this column. And you know I'm sure everybody, this is what we're doing right now is content. You're creating content for this newspaper, right? Yep. From your angle, from your point of view. And back, I guess, in those 80s and even beyond that, we could go through the technology and interaction of yeah. human beings, but that was the voice. That was your platform, right? That newspaper that they were some, somewhat, or some people looked yep. to them for information for reliable sources of news. And, and you were providing that from your perspective, your point of view. And then Fast forward now, what's that, yeah. 40 years later? So you were writing when you were two or three years old. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> no. But uh... Nearly, no, I was 12, 13. Okay. So, 12, software 13. was around seven or eight is when I started. Yeah. So it's been about 35 years, actually. Yeah. So fast forward that now, you're, you're not going to be mailing cassette tapes, right? Because now you don't want to be doing that, that these days. So what, what, have, what, have, what have you kind of uh, evolved into? What are some of the things that you're doing? Like Sarah mentioned that uh, you've helped her create the online courses for her and her students. Um, yeah, like what does it look like today? And you yeah. know, writing for a newspaper is probably not profitable because they don't exist anymore. But what, Not in a traditional sense, no, no. Um, you know what's interesting? Uh, I guess just to sort of put a, a pin in that last idea about writing for that newspaper, I think... I mean, evidently, I was a young, I was 12, right? What the heck did I know about the world? But the, the thing that obviously had some interest for them, and this relates to everything we do now, is it was a perspective. It was a unique angle. I mean, just content for the sake of content is kind of a yawn fest. You have to have a point. You either have to be interesting in and of yourself, or the information has to be interesting in and of itself. Or when we're talking courses, it has to solve a problem. There needs to be um, some transitional or transformation that is clearly articulated. So anyway, to sort of cycle back to that question, the way it looks differently today is that 
unlike um well, unlike when I was teaching in university, you know, I had a captive audience, right? The students, old and young, would have to sit in the room and would have to listen to me and go through all the material, and they didn't really have a lot of say in it. Well, when you're selling courses and when you're selling training, well, nobody really wants, nobody wants to be taught, nobody wants to attend class, nobody wants what you're selling. What they want is the solution. Basically, they want the pill that makes the problem go away. They want the transformation. So the thing that's different today about kind of what it was back then, when I was learning how to teach, when I was learning how to create, you know, you learn how to distill it down. You learn to find the shortest path from the pain to the solution. And um, I focus my efforts these days uh, on trying to find um well, this is going to sound a little mercenary, but I keep trying to find painful problems that people are actually trying to solve. There's no point finding a problem if nobody actually acknowledges that there is a problem. Like if everyone's walking around asleep, but you know, you can see the problem, but nobody's woken up to it yet, pointless. If they've woken up to it, but they aren't looking for it, pointless. They need to be aware, actively seeking solutions, and have the wherewithal and the resources and the money and the reach to be able to get what they want and consume it. And when you're creating courses, your job is to make it as efficient as possible because this idea that we take courses and we want to sort of sit there on the couch for 15 hours languishing over pages and pages of like, kill me now. If I could create courses where you could literally kind of look on the screen and it flashed a whole bunch of colored squares, like a big QR code, and it downloaded all the information like that, I'd be a millionaire because nobody wants the training. They simply want the solution, the transformation. So really where we're at now is I'm always trying to find the shortest path from you know problem pain to solution and, and trying to um, get that information into the hands of the individuals as, as efficiently and as painlessly as possible. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation, it's Sarah here. I wanted to take a moment and talk to you about private money for mortgages. As you've been building your real estate team, it is critical that you have a good source of private money, both for borrowing, but also to lend out should you want to make more money on your money. Have you been perhaps turned down for a mortgage or reached your max capacity in your borrowing power? Or are you buying distressed properties to burr or to flip that may not initially qualify with a regular bank type of lender? Or maybe on the other hand, you have money that you wanted to loan out on your terms rather than making the measly percentages that the banks are offering you. Well, Private Money for Mortgages is actually a boutique mortgage brokerage that specializes in private mortgages for both borrowers and lenders. And Susan has over 25 years of experience in real estate investing and her brokerage specializes in connecting borrowers and lenders to one another. And she's got many solutions for you. She says, when the bank says no, we say yes. So reach out at one 800 9320437 or 519-342-7295 or visits privatemoneyformortgages.com and that's the number four. Right Club Nation, remember as you build your real estate portfolio, chances are you will come to a point where bank-funded mortgages are no longer an easy option. Or you may need a short-term loan for 
a first mortgage for a flip or a burr, or maybe a second mortgage to consolidate debt. That is when they can help by providing different types of solutions. And also as a bonus offer, Susan said, mention this podcast when you connect with her and her team, and they will cover the cost of an appraisal for you to a maximum of $500. So either call at 1-800-932-0437 or 519-342-7295 or the website privatemoneyformortgages.com. And now back to the show. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it for me anyways, it was partly a game changer because I was able to to work with you to create something now that um, I've, I've pre-recorded and it's kind of like a way to not have to take that time every mm-hmm. time and exchange it. Right. And so it became a game changer to be able to, to help many more people in a sense where, you know, they, they take the course, they do it on their own time and then your time is freed up. And I, and I do want to bring this back because you know what, this is, that this is definitely a little bit different than our, our typical real estate investing podcast, but this is important because it's still a lifestyle change and it, and it doesn't have to be a real estate course that you guys do. It could be anything that you're good at, but it is a, a lifestyle and a change. Change. And are you able to maybe share, I mean, it could be your students, it could be your, that you work with for these courses, or it could be yourself, but you know, what are some of the maybe lifestyle changes that you've seen uh, being able to create some of that, you know, whether it's, it's again, you know, I, I know you, you, uh, you like to travel quite a bit uh, in, in regular times. When I can. <laughs> when you can, um, but you know, how, how has that changed your life or the lives of the students by being able to do some of these things? Oh, that's actually, it's a great question. And um, it's, I don't know about you guys, but ever since I was little, every once in a while, I would sit down. I mean, everyone tends to do something like this around New Year's Eve, but coming towards the end of the year, I'd sit down and I, you know, I'd grab a pen, usually a Sharpie and a bunch of three by five index cards, usually plain ones. I don't like lines. And I would start to dump out ideas about the things that value, you know, I, I valued. And I look back over the years and there were a handful of words that kept coming up. And one word that kept coming up was freedom. And I thought, well, what does that mean to me? You know, because a lot of people, it's, uh, they say things like, oh, I, you know, um, I don't have to work or I don't have to do this. Well, I love working. I love doing things that provide value, but I don't necessarily love having to always work for money. So for me, at some point, it was freedom for me would be the ability to choose to do or do not. It would be for me to wake up in the morning and stay in bed and go, do I want to get up today or do I want to stay in bed like and binge watch Netflix or something? Or do I want to do anything? In other words, what it began to afford me was this ability to go, what do I want to do? Now, I mean, I'm not absolutely loaded to the, you know, to the gills. It's not like I've got, you know, Scrooge McDuck or I've got money piled all over the place. But that's the other thing that's interesting. When you look at everybody and you ask them, what do you want? And they say, oh, I want to be rich or, you know, I want to be wealthy. And you go, well, what does that look like to you? There was a point when I was younger and married and my, my family was still small. My buddies all said I had this millionaire lifestyle. I was making a stupid amount of money. I had the big house, the cars, you know, the whole thing. And then that all blew up as what, you know, as life often does in, in certain circumstances. And I was faced with an opportunity to reevaluate what mattered to me. And I realized that the kinds of things I wanted to do and the freedom that I wanted didn't require a seven-figure income, didn't require that much cash. And the reality is um, somewhere around you know, the low six figures is usually enough to give most people 
the kind of freedom of lifestyle choices that they want. You can't go and buy an island, but you know, you can you can pretty much decide, I don't want to do anything today, or I want to go and hang out with my friends normally. And that was really for me what it was mostly about. It was it took away the pressure to always have to, and it became want to. Yeah, yeah, and that's so important. We talk so much about that, that freedom aspect of, of what the real estate and in others. I know there's a lot of people in our community that you know that are experts in their own right and they want real estate just to add to their portfolio so that they can work less or pay for, for children's college or you know start yeah. something for themselves, right? And and that's what I think it really is. And yeah, maybe you can't buy the island, but you can frequent there quite often, right? And and hang out and have some drinks and Right? You, why would you want to own it? You know, just go check it out. Well, the world is huge. Yeah, exactly. Why would you always want to keep going to the same place over and over? I mean, you know, even if you went to three or four different places, See, that was the other thing. I thought I like working. I like doing what I do. I mean, my work is play. Um, I thought, you know, again, under normal circumstances, the, the game plan is, and that's what I've been doing for the last few years before COVID, was I'd take off in February because February is cold in Canada. So, you know, go somewhere warm for the month. And then, you know, a couple more times throughout the year, take another, you know, another couple of nice kind of comfortable, long, longish, um, you know, holidays, two to four weeks. And then the rest of the time, you know, making new things, helping people. And by the way, that's the other thing. When something is creating money for you and you are off the time for money treadmill, that little hamster wheel, which is exhausting. I mean, we all know it. And, you know, it's not that we don't ever have to get back on it. I mean, I do from time to time. But when you're able to step away from that kind of, you know, time trading dollar for, you know, per minute or whatever, you're able to start doing other things and you're able to, the universe is funny. When you sort of, when you stop looking at the ground and you start looking up and you start breathing and you start reacting um, and stop reacting and you start responding, the universe tends to put things in front of you that you could never have taken advantage of when you were busy. Now you're able to sit there and go, well, I could try that. That looks like fun. I can invest my time because I've got it now. I'm not having to sell my time to make money. I've now got all this free time. What do I want to do? And you start to nourish your soul and start to do other things. You can start to donate your time and help other people. You can do charitable work. I mean, if you've got surplus money or you create another revenue stream, you know, that throws off another 500 or $1,000 a month, you could send that to charity. I mean, I've done so many different things. I've got a couple of charities that I'm particularly interested in. It revolves around food, mostly because I think everybody should have food, um, you know, and, and uh, then you can start doing things. You can become very disruptive when you break that time for money thing. I did that with my networking. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Okay. Well, so listen, I'm, I'm listening to you speak, James. And you know what? 
you, you have me sold. That was one of the questions I wanted to ask you today, right? Is, you know, should I consider or should I think about creating an online course of some sort? Okay. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm listening to you, this lifestyle for sure, a few, four or five weeks, every couple of months. Okay. So where do I start? How do I choose what I should teach about? And I'm not just saying me, I'm just, I'm talking about any of our listeners. Where, where do you, where do you pick up the piece and say, okay, yeah, this sounds great. I want to record this stuff. It sounds complicated. Who is it for? What do I need? Like, where, where, what give us the first little steps or, or what you would advise? Well, um, I'm fortunate in that I spent an entire career being thrown in the deep end of some of the most complicated and complex systems on the planet. You know, we're, we're talking government through to military, through to power, you know, power station project management stuff. I mean, you go into those and they kick you off the deep end and you're in there. Sometimes there's no manuals, there's no instructions, and you're just like swim or you're going down. So you eventually, you get through all this chaos and you come out the other side. And one of the things I found is I sort of have this very odd skill of being able to take in huge amounts of disparate, confusing information. And now I wish I could tell you how I do it, but usually I go to sleep. And then when I wake up, there's a certain sort of, oh, that's what I, right? You start to kind of put it all together. Anyway, that's just the way my brain works. Point being, I found that there are repeating patterns. And one of the things that you want to be looking for, so to answer a couple of these questions, you want to look at what you are, like, how do you spend your free time? I mean, if you're going to start this particular exercise, the easiest way I usually say to people is, when you're supposed to be working and you're not, where are you spending your time? What do you gravitate towards? Now, if you gravitate towards gaming and playing, you know, watching Netflix and, and sort of eating, you know, cheeseburgers on the couch, that's a bit of a stretch to find a profitable course in there. But there is one in there somewhere. I absolutely guarantee it. That's the other thing about the, the way the world tends to work. There's an equal amount of opportunity, even in the biggest pile of steaming poop. It doesn't matter. Everything is balanced. I don't know great, why the universe analogy, does it this way. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> it's truly there. It's like my grandfather used to say it to me when I was a little boy, and he used to say, "Where there's muck, there's brass." Now that was as an Englishman, and muck, you know, rubbish. Brass was a slang term for money, right? So where there's mess, where there's chaos, there's money, which is actually the the kind of the North Star for my, my business when I was younger, I would actively look for the most broken, messed up, dirtiest, screwed up environments in a business environment. Because here's the thing, if you go into an environment where you find a problem, and this applies to courses, by the way, if you find a problem that is almost perfect, and you're looking to sort of polish it a little bit, the impact you're going to have is hardly noticeable. And you're going to have to really move heaven and earth to make a difference. Whereas, if you found somebody with their hair on fire and you threw a bucket of cold water over them, you've solved their problem and they would probably think you were a hero for it. The difference is what you want to look for is an environment where you can actually affect change with very little effort, wherein, and you also don't need to have like a PhD in whatever it is. So look to what you like to do. Look at where you spend your time. Now, look at your career and look at the things where you spend your time and go look for problems. Now, you probably are aware of some of the problems. You might have to spend some time digging. But what you want to look for are painful problems. You don't want to look for intellectual problems. You want to look for the kind of problem that has an emotional sting to it. It really has to have an emotional attachment. Because if you try and solve a problem that is purely academic, eh, sales is emotional, right? So if you're trying to solve anything that's not an emotional problem, you're going to have a hell of a time selling it. So what you do is you look at what do I like to do? What do I know about? Where are the problems? And then you look for the intersection. 
right? And then a couple of other things is, you know, are there are there solutions in this area? Are people already looking to solve this problem? Are there, you know, some, uh, pro uh, uh, products fixing this problem? You know, they don't have to be the same. Right. Like if there's a book, then a course could be created. If there was a course, then a book could be created. If there's a, a podcast about it, then you can probably, you know, guarantee that people are interested in solving the problem. So look around. If you find a gap and there's nothing, you do not run around going, yay, I'm brilliant. I have found the holy grail. No, I absolutely guarantee other people have found it before you. They tested it. It didn't work. Right. Save yourself the heartache. I, the arrogance, and I have to say I fell for that one a few times myself early on. I'm like, oh, I know I'm, I'm a genius. I found an opportunity. No. <laughs> no, I did not. Best thing I ever created was uh, this really, really cool, this cool uh, info product very early on. It was called How to Survive and Thrive Without a Job. I think I might have told you the, the, the story. It was hugely, hugely uh, wanted, massive amount of demand for the people who didn't have a job. And they had to choose between food and, and shelter and Maslow's Pyramid needs. Buying an info product to help them was not really top of their food chain at the time. So, you know, I kind of, that was a mistake I made early on. So you learn, hopefully, from other people's mistakes. And that's really what, you know, you know that's what you sort of look for. You look for the intersection. Yeah. Um, so, the tools. So I, I can say, yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got, you know, ten, tons of great, tons of great ideas. And, and I do want to go into the tools. And I think that was kind of, you know, where I was going to ask you the next question is it, more into the how, right? You know, yeah. so you got this great idea, you, you tested that you, you there is some yeah. you know, demand or some pain somewhere that you mm -hmm. can make something better. Uh, and you've got your, your topic. Um, what's the next step after that, that you would recommend somebody do? Okay. So I put my hands up for a reason. You got 10 fingers. Bear that so for mind. those people that are listening only, yes, mm -hmm. 10, I guess that means 10 things to do. <laughs> yes. So one of the things about creating anything is, and you learn this when you're developing software, you learn this when you're trying to solve problems for clients, success lies in boundaries. Success lies in limits. If you do not put a limit on something, it has a tendency to keep going and going and going. Otherwise known in the development world as scope creep. And you will never finish or succeed because, well, you just won't. There's no end in sight. So what you've got to do is you have to start with the end. In other words, you need to know that there's a limit on this. So one of the things I teach um, is that I'm not going to teach you how to create a magnum opus. I'm not going to teach you how to create this massive life work. You know, I'm going to teach you how to create what I call a short course, a course that's usually eh, a couple of hours long. I tie this back to the simple theory that nobody wants your course, they want the answer. Okay, how long could they tolerate going through your material without kind of losing their focus or their attention? Well, I call this my gluteus maximus rule, which relates to the big muscle on which you sit, it's your butt. And if your butt cannot tolerate it, your brain will kick it out. This is why classes in school are 45 minutes to 90 minutes in length. This is why movies are usually a couple of hours long. That's why people started to complain with Lord of the Rings, because it broke the gluteus maximus rule. I mean, you sit through it. Well, maybe you wouldn't. You'd hit pause. And then you'd go for a stroll and come back. Three hours is a bit too much, at least in one sitting. So I tend to focus on 90 to 120 minutes. In other words, a couple hours. So there's that. The other thing that you need to bear in mind is that, and they've done these studies, and teaching like you learned in university or school, you have got to erase that idea. Because most people think that's how teaching works. 
That's not the same. When you're dealing with adults, they're only really interested in an efficient consumption of the information to get to the transformation. That means that when you look at how fast people's attention wanes, you need to bear that in mind. So if you're thinking of creating video-based courses, the data shows that somewhere around seven minutes, attention starts to drift and it falls off the cliff at around 10 minutes. So unless you are absolutely a genius at holding people's attention, and that's not to say you can't, um, you need to be thinking 10 minutes is sort of the threshold of something. If you're going to teach for a, a video and you wanna be thinking about 10 minutes, if your video needs to be 20 or 30 minutes, break it up, okay? chunk it. Now, the reason I put my fingers up in here and I said 10 is because my coursepreneur approach, my approach for creating courses is I, I look at that and I go 10. Nonfiction books tend to have 10 chapters. There's a reason for that. We have all of these things chopped up into 10. It's usually enough for you to digest a significant amount of information and fix some problem. Now, if you think that your course is broken up into 10 video lectures, you know, those, those might be grouped into modules or whatever. That's just logical grouping. But if you think 10 videos, each video is about 10 minutes long, you're looking at 100 minutes. That's just shy of two hours. That's consumable. It's also creatable. And the other thing that I also try and sort of tell people when they start to go, but that's, that's what do I talk about? How do I create this? What tools do I use? Well, I say, look, if you've got a fairly new smartphone, you have more than enough to create. In fact, I tested this a while back, a few years back. So we're talking, actually, I did this with an old iPhone 6, not even a sexy new one. This is an iPhone 6. I actually thought to myself, let's see if I can create an entire course just using an iPhone and nothing else. Yeah, it's doable. It's not necessarily the best of the best, but it's sold. So it's not about, it's not about the technology. It's about the information, the transformation, right? So when you're looking at creating these videos, you want to be looking at the questions and answers that you would be going to go through to solve that problem. And, you know, people say, well, what do I, what do I teach? And I say, well, look, if you understand what the problem is, I absolutely guarantee you know what the questions are. Usually it'll be like, for instance, let's, let's use the whole idea of how do I create an online course? I get asked things like, how long should my course be? I just explain that. So that was one episode. That's one lecture. And they say, what technology do I need to use? I say, well, you need to use something that can do at least very um, high definition, which is 720, um, but you really need 1080, and the newer phones can do that. Um, what's uh, One of the questions that I get asked is, what kind of tricks and tips with cameras and video? And I say, really, the trick is keep the camera still, put yourself more or less to the center. I mean, you could sit off to the left or to the right, but keep yourself roughly in the center. And the trick to good video is good audio. Make sure you've got enough light, but more than anything, make sure you've got good audio. People will tolerate you know, grainy film, but if they can't hear you, then you lose them. So the secret to good you know, video is good audio. Um, people say, well, how long do my lessons need to be? Well, I explain that. Drop-offs around seven minutes, so keep it around 10. The next question is, well, how much content is that in a, say, a 10-minute video? Well, if you're speaking at typical North American speech rate, which is about 150 words a minute, you're looking at approximately um, 1,000 to 1,500 words. That's about two to three pages of single page, no, single or double, I don't know. It's not a lot. And if you're trying to talk about answering some problem, then 10 minutes goes by really fast. So you're not going to have a hard time filling it up. And by the way, the reason I say 10 is because what you do is actually a dozen. You have your 10 lessons, and then you have your intro and your outro, and that gives you 12. 
And if you actually look at that, you're just under 12, you're just under two hours at that point. Um, you know, and, and that's, break it apart, you know, um, don't overthink it. Um, some of the other things I suggest people do, and this is how you can really speed up course creation, because um, people think, I need to have it all figured out. And I say, no, you don't. You just need to know, answer the question. Film you answering the question. You know, just answer them all, and then you can put it together in post-production. Some of the tricks, never make reference to another episode or lesson in the lesson you're filming. Don't ever say, and in the next episode, we're, ah, you are toast. Because if you ever decide to add another episode in, or take one out or change it, you can't. So make everything stand alone. By the way, that also comes in very handy for when you want to market it because then you can sprinkle the pixie dust and use those individual videos as completely standalone social media and so on and so forth. So there's a few things. This is, yeah, th this is fantastic information. This is incredible knowledge that, that you're sharing. Like, you know, I, I've been YouTubing, obviously we've engaged and we've talked a little bit as well too, creating this stuff, Sarah has walked through it. And, and just like anything, if you want to learn about something, you have to learn from someone that has typically walked that path, right? That has done that, made the mistakes, learned that, right? Wrote articles that, you know, at a young age, creating, creating that content, creating that information and making it relevant. I, I love how you distill it and put it down to solving solving the problem. And, and much of, you know, why we, you know, we co-host these podcasts and have these podcasts is to help people find solutions for whatever those those issues are, mostly around real estate, how to find money, yeah. how to find deals, how to find clients, all, all that kind of stuff. That good people to work with your team, right? And it's through experience in, in these conversations. So, um, yeah, I guess what what um, you know for, for those people that uh, th that are ready to take that step, that that are that are ready to go, like is there some practice? You know, everybody talks about you know practicing, learning, you know, in a, in a skill free environment, but there is that point where you just have to do it, right? You just, you have to take that step, right? So what's, what's that point that, that, that takeoff point where someone that's on, on the, on the teeter-totter right now and taking that step for you? I would, uh, I would say to someone, I mean, there's all these little, uh, all these sayings you get kicked around when you, you know, those that, what's it they say? Those that can't do teach. Oh, that one really annoys me. When <laughs> the, um, uh, when the, when the, when the student's ready, the teacher appears and all these other things. Those are, those are fine. Um, but ultimately, I would say, just try and teach a single thing. Like, forget worrying about how to put a whole course together. Forget about any of that stuff initially. Just try and, try and teach one simple thing. Like, try and solve some small problem and try and do it on video and then give it to the person that had the problem. And see if, see if you can actually get a point, you're, you know, get across your point. Because teaching when you're not in the room with a person is different because you have no feedback. There's no, there's no, there's no energy transference because anyone that says there's no energy transference obviously hasn't taught live. Cause when you're standing in a room with real people, you can feel it. But when you're teaching to a little green dot in the center of my screen up there, and that's all you can see and maybe your own face on the camera, a, you feel foolish and B it sucks a lot of the energy out. So, you know, you, you got to, just do that a couple of times and you have to just accept the fact that no one else is going to see it unless you choose to share it. You should see some of my earlier footage somewhere around in the world. There's some footage from when I was 17 because I actually did have some training uh, back in the day and I was filmed on real cameras. Oh, it was bad. 
it was it's always, really, it's, really it's, bad. It's funny how that happens because sometimes I even go back to like when I started my Where Should I Invest podcast at the very beginning, I didn't even you know use Zoom or anything from a video format and I just used my cell phone and I rec- I had this yeah. thing on my my anyways it was it was horrible horrible um <laughs> the sound and stuff like that I don't I don't even know if they're still posted but it, it is cringeworthy and and probably in three or four or five more years like you know these podcasts today will be even more so improved with a new technology and the sound that will be you know it's always about about continuing to improve now I do have one question before we go into the next part of our podcast which which is our lightning round but I'm just curious with a pandemic and and people not being able to to you know get together in large groups anymore um have you seen any more uh, or less uh, demand for online courses or like, what do you think the opportunity is or may not be? Oh, first of all, um, the online education sphere or the information publishing sphere was always uh, a growth and a booming industry. And with, um, I mean, I, I remember when I said in every opportunity, in every pile of steaming poop, there's an opportunity. This was exactly perfect example of it. The demand for online education, the, la- the demand for, for distance learning, um, the demand for people stuck at home now suddenly have to be their own chief cook and bottle washer. Now they're suddenly they have this demand put upon them that they now need to know how to do all these other things. You know, they now need to know how to install Zoom or they now need to know how to do this. And how do I get my printer working or how do I, you know, there's all of these, how do I? And those aren't necessarily huge problems. But think about it. How much time do you spend on any solution as a rule? You start by Googling, you know, you start hunting around. You can easily, easily blow off 20 minutes, half an hour. Chances are you'll find a few and then you're going to research and dig into them. So even if you find three or four or five things, you're going to do, there goes an hour, maybe two. Well, and at the end of it, there's this thing, which is brilliant, actually works in all our favors. You've got this nagging little thing in the pit of your stomach going, but I'm not qualified to choose which was the best one. How do I know? I think it's that one. I've done all my reading. I've looked at all the reviews, but, and even though you might be 80, 90% right, there's still this little voice in the back of your head that goes, but what if you're wrong? You've wasted all that time. And the thing that stops most of us from taking any action, so those of you that can get past this are gonna you know, be leaps and bounds ahead. But so the thing that stops most of us is not that we are worried that we've made the wrong choice because we can get past that. The thing that stops most of us is we worry about looking stupid in front of our friends. If you can sit on a bar, I used to call it the bar stool test. So not that we can do that right now, but if you can sit on a bar stool after work and turn around to one of your buddies or any of your girlfriends, and they said, they asked you a question, you turn around and went, well, I did this. And if you can say it without feeling like a total tool or an idiot or a fool, then you're on good ground. But that's what most people worry about. So yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's fascinating, but the the opportunities are massive right now. And again, you don't need to be creating huge, huge courses. If you can solve someone's problem in 15 seconds flat, awesome. They're not going to pay you for the 15 seconds. They're going to pay you for the problem to go away, by the way. So the value isn't a question of time. The value is a question of the value really is. Yeah. And just a quick point talking about Mm -hmm. researching and trying to find things. I would have paid somebody like a large sum of money uh, in the last few weeks if they could have figured out how to get my DSLR camera to work as a webcam. I've gone down the rabbit hole on YouTube and Best and all that stuff. And you're right. Like that, I'm like, where can I find that information? And there's a lot of it out there. And I'm definitely not qualified to do it myself. 
So those are those are some of the things that you can get into. But uh, I think we are ready for the next part uh, of the podcast, and we're going to get into the lightning round. Awesome. So James, we're going to ask you a series of four questions. Every guest gets the same ones. You're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind within 30 seconds or less. Are you ready? This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. I will be brief. All right. Question number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from somebody else or at a networking event? The best advice, stop talking. Uh, all right use the ears and mouth in proportion right i love it okay all right question number two what is your favorite resource for investing or looking into businesses you you work a lot with a lot of different businesses but what are some of the things that you keep up to date a resource like a book training uh things that you do someone that uh that you reach out to for for resource information I actually use an aggregator that pulls in all the headlines off the new um, off the news sources. So I, I don't have to look in a single point. I just kind of pull it all together and then I have it clustered by uh, by topic. So tech, business, finance. And I, I basically I slurp all the headlines in. All right. Very cool. What's, what's that called? Because that sounds awesome. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them out there. Well, Google News is one of them, but there's a there's a I can't think off the top of my head some of the names, but um, even when you just go on to say um, Actually, most of the search engines, they, they'll aggregate. You can go into their news section and you can identify topics. And then they just reach across and pull them all together. And then they just shuttle them out in front of you. Plus, you can get it through RSS. You can get it through um, email. I also use Google Alerts. So I look for, to- uh, look for topics of interest. And then I get, I, I get daily, on the minute, and weekly summaries. And it all gets pulled together for me. And I just sit down on Fridays and read it all. That's cool. There is a, an app I use that, that pulls a lot of like investing in real estate stuff for me. It's called uh, Flipboard. Ah, yes. I used to use that. Yes. Yeah. Been, uh, it's like my go-to uh, place to find articles. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Question number three, James, what is the one attribute in your opinion that has made you most successful? Adaptability. Yeah, probably. Or yeah. Um, so I've been referred to as um, tenacious. So I would say stubborn adaptability. I refuse to give up really. Love it. Love it. That, that is a great trait to have. Sometimes, you know, the, the blessing, it can be the curse as well too, but you know, in good balance. Uh, yeah, that definitely works. All right. So let's wrap up the lightning round. Last question on a typical Sunday morning, what are you up to? What, what, uh, what are you getting up to on a Sunday morning? See, now I'm going to look pathetic. Um, so on a typical Sunday morning, I get up around five, five thirty. coffee. Um, I usually sit down and I know, uh, this isn't necessarily the most productive way to start your day, but I actually enjoy reading through my email and my social media. But then once that's done, usually within half an hour, 45 minutes, cause I try and keep that. That's a rabbit hole. You don't want to go down because it sucks the energy out. So I'm usually very focused on what I look for and then I close it. 
And then um, on, a, on a Sunday, I'll either be writing or painting, digital art or creating. I'm either creating a new product or shooting some footage or for complete fun, I recently um, got back into digital art. I actually trained as a digital artist when I was in college. And I came out and got offered a job as a programmer. So I put down all my painting equipment and I went and became a coder. So kind of nice to do full circle. Yeah, very cool. Learn lots. Every time we talk to you, we learn so much more about uh, about what you've been doing. <laughs> very cool. James, where can our Write Club community reach out and find out more if they wanted to learn about the courses or just ask you questions directly? The best place really is to start with my, my own website, jamesvirtual.com. And that's uh, J-A-M-E-S-B-U-R-C-H-I-L-L.com. Everything you want to find about me is there. You can get to all my other websites. You can get to my courses. You can check out my social media. It all comes off that point. So go there to start. And you can get hold of me there too. Yeah, this, is, uh, this has been a fantastic conversation, James. So much information, so much value. And uh, re- really appreciate your time. Any last words of advice that you want to share with the, uh, the Right Club community? Uh, yes. Um, don't think if you wanted to, if you wanted to create an information product, you don't have to be thinking, you know, an entire course, you can create a nugget. Remember, if you can solve like, your question about how to connect a DSLR camera, um, that is a problem worthy of a solution. You can create what I call little micro trainings. And don't think that you have to put this whole thing together and be a very clever, quite literally, if you had the video that gave you the answer to that, you could ask 10, 20, 50 bucks, somebody pay you for it. And you don't have to get clever. I mean, use Gumroad. That's a simple solution, right? There's a company there that you can easily create very ineff- you know, um, inoffensive and very simple solutions. And, you know, and then, of course, there's Teachable and all the other bigger guys. But Gumroad is great. Plus, it's free to start. You know? So you can, you can publish anything. You have a spreadsheet that you know, allows you to keep things in, in track, like checklists. Checklists are hugely valuable. One single piece of paper, you think, oh, that's not worth anything. Are you kidding me? It took a lifetime to get to that. I mean, I've got loads that I've created and that people have paid me for over the years. So it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be valuable and solve a problem. So, yeah, I'd say start. Look around. Look at what you take for granted. Because usually what you do without thinking is the stuff that other people would pay you for. Absolutely. James, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. And, uh, you know, thank you for all the help that you've given me personally as well to uh, be able to to create these courses. And, uh, you know, it was another step in removing myself from putting in so much time, uh, you know, on a on a weekly or a daily basis to try to make things more um, repeatable and, uh, and expandable. And so thank you so much, uh, as well from a personal standpoint and from the right club, because you've, uh, you've helped us a lot there too. So it was a pleasure, pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you very much. And, and thank you Alfonso as well for your, uh, for your wonderful questions. Cause, um, without, you know, without kind of pointing me in the right direction, I can just kind of wander around. <laughs> Oh, wow. Another great conversation. Great chat with James and just so much, so much information um, that, uh, that he's been at it for you know 40 years. He was writing articles when he was a, a teenager, creating content, sending cassette tapes, a really, really fun combo and, and a really lot of information and knowledge to back that up. What, uh, what was uh, maybe one of your takeaways? Sir, I know you've known James for a little while, but what was a, a takeaway that you took from uh, today's convo? 
I mean, I think it's a great way to have additional sources of income and it doesn't have to be real estate specific. I mean, I know this is a real estate investing podcast, but maybe there's something good that you, you know, are able to share or something that, you know, there's a problem or or a need somewhere. And it could be, I mean, it literally could be any topic or any discussion. And I think, you know, there's a course in every single person out there that has, you know, maybe a knack or an affinity towards something. What's fun? What do you enjoy doing? Um, and, And I think just like courses could be created on pretty much any topic, any subject. Um, and they're, and they're really fun too. And, uh, you know, so I, I think, I think it's just a, a great way to, to add additional streams of income as opportunities, um, not necessarily just real estate related. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I, I love the whole conversation talking about getting, you know, different people's perspective, you know, how long can we sit on our butts before we got to get up and move around and shut it off, all that kind of stuff. But I really like when you said, you know, where there's muck, there's brass. And I'm not sure if it was dad or a family member that had said that, but you know, where there's problems, there's money, right? And, and the bigger the problem you solve, the more money you get. And uh, that's a great perspective to have at it. And, and uh, yeah, how many times, guys, have you clicked on YouTube looking to do this or do that? Or how do I? Uh, here's a challenge. Put that in the comments or put it on the right club community. When you go onto Google and you put, how do I? Don't fill it in. What comes up on your Google? You can, if you want to share it, you can share it. If you don't want to, it's cool too. But what comes up on your how do I on the Google browser and uh, and put that on the Right Club community. We definitely have the forums, all the information on there. You can find it. Maybe you're listening to this podcast right on the Right Club community. We have the player right on there available every episode. We're getting close to 200 by the end of this year. This is so great. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for supporting the Right Club, being part of the community and checking in and uh Sarah, until next time, come grow with us. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.